If you will, turn with me to the Gospel according to Luke. The Gospel according to Luke. And we're going to look at chapter 1. You may think for a moment that it's Christmas time. Oh, by the way, if you have not picked up one of these, we still have a few other copies. Uh, Feel free to grab one. It's at the back table here. This is a, um, a devotional guide through our season of Lent. And in particular, focuses on the creed. So if you'd like to pick one of those up, we do have a few extra copies. Notice these words here in Luke chapter 1. And we're sort of going back here to the story. What you have in Luke 1 is, is really two announcements that somebody is pregnant. One is a barren, older lady. And the other is a younger lady who is a virgin. Both of them get an announcement. Then, later in the chapter, both of them meet together. It's kind of really interesting. Both of them meet together and their babies meet in the womb. It's this really neat story in the Bible that I always just find fascinating. I mean, we're told that John the Baptist, before he is even born, is going to be filled with the Spirit. And people say that, Life in the womb isn't life, and yet the Bible contradicts that and says no. Even John, before he ever takes his first breath, will be filled with the Spirit. And when Mary calls out to Elizabeth, Elizabeth, I'm home. She's, whoo, the baby jumped in my my womb. When you said that, and how blessed are you, woman of God. And it says she was filled with the Holy Spirit. So really, I mean, this is a fascinating, I would, I would, you would do well to read the whole chapter is what I'm getting to, okay? Um, That's a little, little pre-show of what, what, what you're missing here. I'm going to just uh, whittle it down here to verse 26. We're going to look at verse 26. Notice here, we're kind of picking up halfway through of this. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, and that's by the way, the sixth month of pregnancy for Elizabeth. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, one of only two angels mentioned in the Bible, by the way, he's an archangel, is what we call him, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. That's very important, by the way. That's Jesus' connection to royalty, basically, is what he's saying. He drops that little line in there so that we know Jesus has a real claim to the Jewish throne. He has a lineage that is given by Joseph, even though this conception is not from Joseph. Very interesting. And the virgin's name, of course, was Mary. And he came to her and said... This is the angel again. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. I think I would have been troubled, by the way, by the appearance of the angel alone, right? I, used, I think I've told you this before, but when I, Daddy would, my dad was a pastor, right? He would make me or Justin uh, go lock up the church. Sometimes if somebody left a light on, we'd have to go back into it after it was locked, go up the stairs, because it was inevitably a bathroom, cut off the bathroom light, go all the way back through the dark church, and lock it back up. 
might not sound scary to you, but to an eight-year-old, that's some scary business, you know? Going into a church at night alone. I mean, I prayed the whole time. Lord, please, I, I've read stories about angels and stuff. Don't, don't show me an angel. Don't do that. I, I prayed all the way in the church and all the way out of the church. I, literally, I was running. But she is troubled, not by the appearance of the angel, but notice, by what he said to her. And he says that, and, and so notice, again, 29, but she was greatly troubled to say and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great (laughs) and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. I'm sure the angel was as excited as I am about that. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Powerful. History altering words and events. You date your birthday from that baby. Today's date is dated from that baby. That baby split time by entering into the space of humanity. The space of a virgin's womb. As you can tell, this is some pretty serious content right here. And in our creed today, as you may or may not know, we're in a series on the Apostles' Creed. So through Lent, we are working our way line by line and asking basically two fundamental questions. Number one, are these words in the creed that we just sang, that Isa just repeated to us in Spanish, are these words, each line, each word, are they biblical? That's really the first thing we're at. We're just saying, are, are these words biblical? And then secondly, maybe almost impossible to answer, what do they mean? <laughs> right? So, in other words, are they biblical? Well, what does this mean for us then? Well, as you may know, there are 12 affirmations in the creed. Just as there were 12 tribes, just as there were 12 apostles, there are 12 affirmations in the Apostles' Creed, when you lay them out line by line. We are pushing two together today, and they are these two. 
who was conceived, speaking of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, the second one, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. This we believe. Now, the creed is brief, memorable, essential, Christian. It is an outline of our faith. And on the outside, it does look good, but when we look under the hood is where we really get surprised. I drove a Jaguar to church today. It's not a new car for me. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a 2005 model, actually. I was surprised by that. It looks a little older as a Jaguar, but let me tell you something. That thing has got some power to it. My van right now, you know, is being repaired. Someone let me borrow their Jaguar, right? That thing has some serious... I got it up to 70 miles an hour, and I just test it out, see what the throttle would do. It was like you were in park. I mean, when you push that thing, you had way more power than what's in my truck at 70 or any other vehicle that I own at 70 miles an hour. In other words, I actually popped the hood, see what was under there, and it was, it was a beautiful engine filled with power. You know what? With our Christianity, it must not just sound good or look good on the outside and not run and work and have the power of God. When we open up the hood of our life, we need to see the power of God at work. And let me tell you something. When we start opening up the hood of the creed, we see the power of God at work on our behalf. When we, when we talked about the Father the other week, then we talked about Jesus last week. Now we're still talking about Jesus, but now His work, His incarnation. This is His incarnation and atonement put together in two statements. In other words, get this, this is beautiful. There are two people besides Jesus that are mentioned in the creed. Two historical human people that actually make it into the Apostles' Creed. You know, it's a very short, short creed, and yet two individuals make it there. They are in the two affirmations we're looking at today, the Virgin Mary and Pontius Pilate. These names are etched in history forever. Why? Because, quite simply, they came in contact with Jesus. <laughs> you really can't come in contact with Jesus and not be remembered. And they do. And I want to briefly just look at the announcement that comes to both of them, the questions they ask, and then the response that they give. These two individuals. So of the 12 affirmations in the creed, six of them deal with Jesus. By proportion, that's significant, isn't it? Not only that, it's in the middle of the creed, isn't it? The Father is dealt with first. Then you move to the Son. He has a huge section. Then you move to the Holy Spirit. I like the Spanish Santa. Which is very close to the French, actually, for siete, which is holy. 
That's, that's where the holy part comes in. And in the spirit, which is spirit. The Holy Spirit gets the third state. But notice, the centrality is Jesus Christ. When you read your Bible, is not the central figure of the Bible Jesus? Is Jesus not the central figure of humanity? Mustn't Jesus be also the central figure in our life? He must be. Because we were made with him in mind. We were made for him and by him and through him. Paul says in his epistle, these are wonderful affirmations that can be believed. Mary is one of the uh, two, as I mentioned, uh, historical people here. And she is young. She is a virgin. And more than likely, she is poor. These are, these are not really things that the, if the world were looking to build something upon, that's probably not who you're going to get recruited. Whereas Pontius Pilate is a prefect. He is a leader. He is over people. He makes big decisions. He represents Rome. These are two very different life circumstances. But both of them get announced that Jesus is coming. Let me pause in case you're wondering what's going on. We're setting up for a baptism. I think we're adult enough, I hope, that we can pay attention, you know, even even with some distraction in the background, at least... I'm hoping I can do that. <clears throat> um, and so you help, you work with me, but, uh, but we'll work through that together. Um, so, so here's the thing. The announcement comes to Mary, and notice the question she asks uh, the, the angel, right? She says, how is this going to be? I've not been with a man. So she's asking a practical question. Now, remember, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they also get an announcement, which is, you're going to have a baby. You remember Zechariah's response? Zechariah's response was to be like, how in the world is that going to happen, man? We're old. She's barren. Even when we had vitality, it wasn't working for us. And the angel says, do you not know who I am? I am not some chump that come to tell you something from FedEx. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of... He didn't say FedEx. I stand in the very presence of God, right? That's what he tells him. He literally says, I stood in the very presence of God. And you're going to question me? No, 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 no. You're not going to say another word till the baby's born. <laughs> and he makes him mute. Zechariah is mute until the baby is delivered. <laughs> you remember Sarah's response, don't you? who also was barren. She laughs. Which, I mean, I I can't say that I wouldn't have either. At the time, Abraham was approaching 90. Uh, And even back then, that was old. And not only that, Sarah also was barren. A desert to fertility. And yet, God says, no, not today. I'm going to use someone that has been put under shame all of their life because they couldn't have a child. 
That's who I'm choosing to bless all nations. Every nation that's ever existed. Every people that have ever existed. I'm going to do it. That's how he likes to do things. Mary's question is different. Mary's response is different than theirs. She's not questioning the angel's ability. In other words, she just simply says, almost thinking as a young person would, Who, who's, who's going to be the man? He says, won't be a man. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you and will conceive in you Jesus. Now you say, why a virgin birth? And quite honestly, we don't have time to get into the full spectrum of that debate or discussion. But here's a simple reason. Adam and Eve. (laughs) Our first parents, right? They've passed down to us a sin nature. Sin and evil in the world is not just out there. It's not just in another country. It's not just over across another border. It borders right here in all of us. And we've all felt the weight of sin. And we've all wanted to do what is right, not been able to do what is right. We've all wanted to do good and been unable to do it in our life. Paul says in Romans 7, what wretched people we are. Except that Jesus has now come. He has been born of woman. And he bypassed the seed of Adam. Now follow this. Through Adam, Paul says, all died. Right? So he's like our, we call him our federal head. Which is just sort of kind of saying, you know, if President Trump goes over to Russia, and rather than shaking Vladimir Putin's hand, he stabs him and kills him, we're going to have to go to war. You say, why do we have to go to war for something one man did? Because he's our federal head. And so is Adam. And through Adam, sin came into the world and death because of their decision. Think about this. Eve tangles us up in sin. Mary, through her obedience, untangles us. (laughs) Adam brings in, opens Pandora's box, okay? Death, evil, comes into our world. Jesus, through entering Pandora's box, go into the depths of Pandora's box, into the darkest places, destroys death forever. Through death? It's it. I mean, do you see what God likes to do? He takes the woman who initially fell into the trap of the servant. And now he says, you know how I'm going to save the world? This is going to be awesome. Wait for it. Through your seed, lady, talking to Eve, will come one who will crush the head of the serpent forever. And so God uses the very person in the sense of being a lady. He could have chosen a man. Instead, a lady to be obedient. So Eve disobedient, Mary obedient. She's asked a question of clarification. Who's the man? No man. We're going to bypass Adam. And instead, I'm bringing into the world a new Adam, which inaugurates a new way of being human. 
And that is to be finally filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being accessible to all people. That's what Jesus really come to do. He didn't come just to hang out with us forever in a human body. He said, guys, I've got to go, but it's good news. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And by Him, He's going to do all the works that God the Father wants to accomplish in your life. It's a beautiful salvation. If God did not become man, He couldn't have died for us. And if that man wasn't God, He couldn't save us. What a... It's he solved the conundrum. He solved the biggest problem in the world, which is how can we be saved from our sins? How can we be freed from our sins? It's through the obedience of Mary and Jesus' actual body. His body saves us. This is my body given for you. This is my blood for you. This can't happen without the obedience of Mary. What a beautiful salvation where God uses both male and female because we both messed up in the beginning, didn't we? He bypasses the line of sin and inaugurates a new day. A new creation. A new kingdom. (laughs) I mean, this is good stuff, folks. Now, she questions, but she doesn't question faith-wise. Because as soon as as Gabriel says, it's going to be by the Holy Spirit. She's like, behold, here I am. Lord, your will be done. Now, I would have had some more questions of clarification. You know what I mean? Like... Uh, um, that, that sounds a little vague to me. <laughs> I, I'm, is there anything I need to sign? Or, you know, like, what, what am I really signing up? Where's the, where's the bottom line on this thing? But no, no, no. You see, this is the beauty with Mary. She trusted God. She re- I mean, surely at this point she doesn't understand the import of what's about to happen. Who she's going to be carrying, which is the God of the entire universe. In her body. And just let that sit in for just a minute. My professor used to say, let that, you know, put that in your spiritual pipe and smoke on it a little while, is what he used to say. That one's going to take a little while. The God of the universe, unmade, is now, at the right time, made into human flesh. Woven together in a womb. I mean, this raises motherhood, doesn't it? A little bit? You think? A lot. And so Mary obeys. And through her obedience, Jesus, life, salvation, freedom. But Pontius Pilate, he's the other one, right? It's interesting in the creed, you get the Virgin Mary, which is the birth narrative of Jesus, starting at conception, through gestation, to his birth, all in one line. Then you get the death of Jesus, 
which assumes his sinless life between. It's not that his sinless life between is not important, but again, creeds are smashed down to bare bones, like a skeleton. And now we get this line, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Pontius Pilate does two important things. He legally finds Jesus innocent. Again, this is, you know, he was a Roman official. All right. Now, granted, in, you know, he, he had an assignment that was sort of, I mean, honestly, Jerusalem would have been considered sort of the armpit of the kingdom. It wasn't the place you really wanted to end up. Some people have even proposed that he was being punished by being sent here to be the prefect. You know. We don't, we don't have to get into all of that. But the reality is, this guy was a Roman official and he found Jesus legally innocent. And worthy of being acquitted of the charges. You remember what happens, we won't read it all, but if you'll, if you'll simply turn in Luke, and there's some Bibles in your, uh, in your row there if you would like to in the basket. Notice... If you'll turn to 23, we're going to just briefly look at Pilate now and look at his now. I mean, he gets introduced to Jesus. Look at some of the questions he does and then his response. Notice this, this is 23, 1. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, Jesus that is, saying, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar. And saying that he himself is Christ, that is, a king. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, you've said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. So, so I'm going to summarize for you. Basically, they bring him before Pilate. Pilate's like, so are you the king of the Jews? He's probably annoyed, I imagine. Jesus says, you've said it. He says, all right, I don't, I don't find any any guilt in this, and we know from the other Gospels he does go through a, an inquisition, so to speak. And they have this exchange. <laughs> and then he says, oh, hang on, you're from Galilee? Oh, I'm going to send you over to Herod. You, you, I'm going to move this problem somewhere else. I don't want to deal with this. So he sends him to Herod. Herod also doesn't find any wrong in him. Now Herod mocks him, beats him, dresses him up like a king and sends him back to Pilate. But Pilate says, look, we've not found anything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have him beaten as a punishment, and then I'm going to release him. But notice in verse 18, but they all cried out together, away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection starting in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. He wanted, he was lobbying to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, 
Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And notice these ominous words. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they asked. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. The second thing that Pilate does that's important is he legally finds Jesus innocent. But then he is responsible then for securing Jesus' death. You remember from another gospel that he washes his hands of Jesus. In the gospel of Matthew, Pilate washes his hands to show that he is not responsible for the execution of Jesus and reluctantly sends him to his death. In the gospel of Mark, depicting Jesus as innocent of plotting against the Roman Empire, it portrays Pilate as reluctant to execute him. In the gospel of Luke... Pilate not only agrees that Jesus did not conspire against Rome, but even Herod Antipas, the Tetrarch of Galilee, also finds nothing treasonable in Jesus' actions. In the Gospel of John, Pilate states, quote, I find no guilt in him. And he asks the Jews if Jesus should be released from custody. But in the end, as engraved in our creed, Pilate sends Jesus to his death. But it's not really Pilate's fault, is it? It's not even just the crowd that was theirs' fault. There's something greater going on than just laying all the responsibility on Pilate. Pilate, in our creed, is a representative of us. I sent Jesus to the cross. He came to rescue me. He was the holy, blameless, sinless innocent lamb of God. He had no sin in him. It was not his fault and he stepped up and took the blame for us, for me, for you. Pilate is a representative and he represents all of us. We too look at Jesus and we don't find any fault. We have no hard feelings or animosity, but we too follow the herd, the voices of the crowd, and let them influence our actions toward Jesus. We find in ourselves Pilate. We're sitting there washing our hands. Well, I like him, but, you know... Everybody else is doing this. We are the cause of his death. It's a strong message to swallow today. We need not shrink away from this responsibility, though, because he willingly went to the cross for us. It's why he came to take our place and to die 
for us. If he's not a man, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, he can't die. And if he's not God, he can't rise from the dead and defeat death forever. But thanks be to God, he is both God and man. Man and God in one person. Not mixed, not schizophrenic, one This is why, actually, if you'll notice in a lot of our, um, it may even be on our bulletin. No, not on this one. The icons often have different things like this. You've seen this? Or like this. They'll be throwing up a peace sign, you know, basically. You're like, that's interesting. Peace, you know, world peace. No, it actually has to do with the three persons and the two natures of Christ. Always, no matter how you do it, it's the same. Three, Three persons two natures. This is the God of the universe. This is how he chose to save us. He used a young virgin who said, yes, thou will be done in me. And from her obedience, he brought life and salvation to the world. Let us follow the pattern of Mary today and not that of Pilate. We all have Pilate in us. We all have the tendency to ignore Jesus, to throw him off another day, to try to wash our hands of him and forget his claims. But this is impossible. We must, like her, say, Behold, I am yours. Do with me what you will. Thy will be done in my life. Is that your life today? If not, it can be. Obedience can come home today. And Christ can fill our life with his Holy Spirit. Let us not be like Pilate who says, what is truth when truth is standing in front of him? The truth is standing in front of you today. It's been presented in song, in creed, and in word. Don't walk away as Pilate did. Instead, be obedient and say yes to Jesus. And it'll be a new day. You'll be a new creation. Trust me, my friend, when I say you'll have love for people that you never thought possible. The forgiveness that you've wanted to offer will be able to be offered. The mercy that you cannot conjure up yourself will be found in the power of God's Spirit. Do you believe that? I believe that. I live by that. This is what we believe. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.